The following episode of TOEFOP is rated MA for mature audiences. It may contain sexual references, time travel references, allegations of bin misconduct, and mild coarse language. TOEFOP advises that this episode is not suitable for anyone under the age of 15 or anyone who thinks a comedy conversation between two old mates sounds like a terrible idea for a show. Minors must be accompanied by a parent or guardian. This is John Deke speaking. Relax, this is Dofop. I'm Charlie Clawson. I'm Will Anderson. And what must be the most hotly hyped return of a show in ages? We said we're, we're back. back. Two weeks ago, we said we're With back. another compilation episode. <laughs> this is my fault. I apologise to the listeners at home. Uh, I've had a couple of other things come up in the last two days that have prevented us from doing a brand new episode. It's been, uh, yeah, there's been, look, re- legitimate reasons not to have got shit done is what I well, would say. Well, that's the one legitimate reason. When mm. you're in a hurry, you know what you don't need to visit? The roads and maritimes. Right. <laughs> that was this afternoon. Yeah. In fact, I probably shouldn't say this on the podcast, but in your driveway currently, there is a car with no number plates on it, which I immediately have to take home and not drive until I can get registration papers sent from Victoria in the mail, which will take seven to ten days. Oh, so great. anyway, it's great. I live in the middle of the country and I suddenly have no car, apart from the one I'm illegally driving home from this. <laughs> to my house in a couple of minutes so anyway by the time people hear this i won't be committing that crime anymore so it'll be fine did they say there is an exemption if you have to podcast is it like an essential worker i said can do you think it's okay to drive this home and put it in the garage rather than leave it here in the car park of the rms and they said look it probably is fine to just drive it directly home and i was like well charlie's house is technically on the way home and so I thought, well, that's that's fine. I'm just basically, I'm still on the way home. But I thought, well, well I can't do a whole episode. That would be... <laughs> pushing the favour. That would be pushing. If I'm halfway through, we're riffing something funny in the middle, suddenly the RMS <laughs> bursts through the doors. They're like towing my car out in the driveway. No, this is just a stop in for us to do an intro and some ads. Yeah. Or not some, or not some ads. We're talking about a compilation episode. Well, I meant we had to do some ads for another podcast. Yeah, but this was the priority. We like doing ads and have everything. Any sponsors listening, we love doing the ads. But this is more for the hardcore teabaggers. And the reason I bring that up is that we're going to do, uh, we're going to listen to a compilation of things that teabaggers love, which is when we break down lyrics and poems. Do they love that? I don't know. I'm assuming they do, because <laughs> if idea. they don't... If they don't, it. anyway, if you don't, then avoid this episode. We put them all in the one place. Now, I'm just going up the running list that yes. uh, Podcast Mike has sent us. Podcast Mike, who I saw the other day you know, in a clip that went viral uh, with a couple of nobodies called Hey Mission Andy, getting mm. in on the act, I'm like... Eh. Wait a minute, they're going to take out the he our a, guy. Was he on a vote? Well, he was their guy I before know, he was our guy. He's our guy. Yeah. <laughs> now that we've brought him down to our level. <laughs> what was their clip that went viral? Uh, it was just like they, that was their their podcast. They were, it was just a video mm. of them, like some gag. Just a video of them doing podcast. their podcast and it but, went viral. But I, it took me by surprise because I don't think I saw Podcast mm. Mike reposted. I just saw it independently of him. Mm. And there's Hamish Nandy and there's... Podcast, podcast Mike, Mike on the couch, hanging out with a couple of bloody heavyweights. He's the Forrest Gump of podcasting. <laughs> Just any famous podcasting photo, Podcast Mike is there in the background. All right, so what you're going to hear in this is um, the I Wish lyrics, which we mm. broke down in the last episode of 2020. So maybe start in reverse. If, if, you, if you've listened to everything since Christmas, then maybe you want to skip to the end and then go back if you feel like you still can't quite remember the I Wish lyrics. There's one of my personal favourites from an episode called Toothpaste. Do you know what that's about? Uh, the lyrics to uh, poem. a poem it's by Pam Hess, <laughs> yeah. which imagine. is clearly about a burgeoning teenage <laughs> sexuality. 
and then we. It is hard to get the lid back on it. <laughs> and then we broke down the lyrics of "In the Air Tonight" and the urban legend associated with it. Uh, and just because uh, Mike thought it was a great story, he's also going to include um, uh, the anecdote about your interview with Julie Gillard for philosophy. Yes, doesn't really doesn't really fit, really fit in. <laughs> but this is when you know we're padding. Exactly. This what this wasn't meant to be an episode. We were meant to be doing a new episode. But damn you, RMS and other various factors that I won't bring up right now. And now here's us. Have you seen that TV show Upload on Amazon Prime? No. It's about, uh, like, it's a, it's a sci-fi comedy where when you die, you get uploaded to heaven. And depending on what you can afford is your version of heaven. And so the story is told from the point of view of, like, the guy who's died and been uploaded to this, you know, paradise. And the IT operator, the girl who communicates with him is kind of his angel. And that's exactly... What happens if he ever gets stuck or has a question, she just appears next to him and explains, you know, this is how you pay for things in the virtual world or whatever. It's quite good. I really like it. But they do play with the idea of just making yourself that little bit hotter. <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> when you appear in virtual reality, it's like they look normal when they're, you know, talking uh, when the girl's operating from the IT room. I mean, she's still hot because it's a TV show. <laughs> like, she's still beautiful by anyone's standard, but she's 10% hotter when she's in virtual reality. Which I think is probably just going to be the appeal and how they're able to sell it to us. Is they're just like, we can make you look 10% hotter and we'll be like... I wish I was a little bit taller. Wish I was a baller. Wish I had a rabbit and a hat, I would call it or something. Is that how it goes? Um, so, I don't have my phone next to me. Hang on. What do you want me to look? Who was that? What? I wish I was a little bit taller. Yeah, I wish I was a little bit taller. I, right? I wish I was a baller. Um, Two okay. Live Crew or something? Or Here we go. Belbit um, DeVoe or... By Old School Dub. Never heard of them before. Well, uh, you might remember from them from their song, I Wish. <laughs> I remember Which that. Which is this song. Um, hey, this is radio station WSKEE. We're talk taking calls on the wish line, making all your wacky wishes come true. Hello. So this is the wish. I okay. assume that's the setup. Yeah. Uh, I wish I was a little bit taller. Yeah. I wish I was a baller. Yeah. I wish I had a girl oh. who looked good. I would call her. Why did I think of a rabbit in a hat? I wish I had a rabbit in a oh. hat. <laughs> yeah, why would you call a rabbit in a hat, Charlie? That doesn't make any sense. So it, it didn't seem to make a lot of sense when you were saying it, but yeah. I wish I had a rabbit in a hat. I, I would, would call, call her. her. Now, are you mistaking a rabbit in a hat for a phone? Or are you talking about the rabbit? I wish I had a pair of glasses because I just tried to make a call with a rabbit. (laughs) I think I've had a stroke. (laughs) I wish I was a little bit taller. I wish I was a baller. I wish I had a girl who looked good. I would call her. I wish I had a rabbit in a hat with a bat. What? I wish I had a rabbit in a hat hat with with a bat. bat. Because it rhymes? (laughs) (laughs) Because it rhymes. (laughs) And a cat. Um, And a six foot. For Impala. All right, we have to go back. So he wants a rabbit in a hat, hat and a bat with a cat. No, no, I added cat. All right. But <laughs> it's like Dr. Zeus. Imperceptible from yeah. the actual <laughs> lyrics of the song. I wish I had a rabbit in a hat with a bat. All right. What does that mean? Very political. Like he's talking Wuhan, wet markets. Oh, really? Yeah. So he'd kill the infected animal before it gets out. It was a rabbit in a hat and a bat. Yeah. And a 6-4 Impala. What's a 6-4 Impala? Is that it's like a, a... It's a hot car. Like yeah, so that's rider. he's going to run over the rabbit, yeah. the hat and the bat and stop a global but what, infection. What, 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 is a rabbit in a hat like a metaphor for something? Like, I'm going to have good luck. I wish I had good luck. Like I, I, think, I had... 
magic or something. I wish I had a rabbit in a hat. Like when you know when you say to someone, "Wow, you pulled a rabbit out of a hat." Yeah, it's like the ability to kind of get out of any situation. That's what I'm gonna say. Yeah, okay, but and then what? And just a bat, a bat, like, like a no, cricket after bat. I get out of this a situation, I'm gonna bat, bat off. <laughs> a bat. I'm gonna bat off. Okay, and a six four four impala. Yeah, I wish I was like. Okay, now he's gonna say how tall he wishes he was. How tall do you think this person who wishes he was uh, a little bit taller? Uh, so it's a pop culture reference from the 90s, like a basketballer of some kind? Um, well, he, he actually says the height oh, okay. is what oh, I'm so saying. So, 6'3". Right. So because the lyrics are, I wish I was a little bit taller. Yeah. The lyrics aren't, I wish I was considerably taller than I already am. Literally just saying 10%. I wish I was a little bit taller. Yeah. And so then it's interesting to me that his answer is, I wish I was like six foot nine, oh. which implies to me that he's already he's six, six foot six. <laughs> he's fucking massive. Yeah. This guy doesn't need to be any taller. I wish I was like six foot nine so I can get with Leoshi. Oh. Because she don't know me, but yo, she's really fine. Okay. Well, you know, I see her all the time. That's an, all of that's wrong. <laughs> Everywhere I go and even in my dreams, I can scheme a way to make her mine. Oh, my God. Hang on. This is just like a, 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 a hard turn. Listen, caller, I just, you, were talk, you were talking about being taller. That's, having a rabbit in a hat. And suddenly it's all like... Although I must admit, he did talk about a girl who looked good, he would call her. So yeah. He did suggest this was coming. But he, he was say very generally in the opening paragraph. I thought he was talking about any sort of girl who looked good. Yeah, and he would call Specifically Loesha. Specifically this girl, Leosha, who Leosha. I've been Leoshi, sorry. Leoshi. Who I've been following around. I can't see over a fence because I'm only six foot six. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, here we go. Uh, everywhere I go and even in my dreams, I can scheme a way to make her mine. Because I... Well... Okay, firstly, even in your dreams, that is the easiest place to scheme a way to make her your own. Um, I think he's what he's trying to say is he obsesses over the scheme. Okay. Because I know she's living fat. P-H-A. P-H-A-T. Yeah. Her boyfriend's tall and he plays ball. Oh, that's why he wants to be tall. He's jealous. That's why he wants to be tall and that's why he wants to be able to play ball. Because oh. he wishes he's a boy. I wish oh. I was a little bit oh, I taller. It's not baller as in... No, I think it's quite literally... Basketballer. Uh, he, yeah, he wishes he was a basketballer. <gasps> so is this a song by a guy who was like tall, but just not tall enough to be a really good Spud basketballer? Web. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Lyrics by S-Web. Yeah, no, even better, <laughs> Phil Smythe. <laughs> I'd love to see Phil Smythe in the studio with his hood up and his bald head just bobbing away with his like, hair growing out the back as he's just listening to the beat going, I think i got some lyrics for this. Yo, give me the mic. Yo, Andrew Gaze, chuck me the mic. Andrew Gaze chucks it and Leonard Copeland comes flying in and alley-oops it. <laughs> Uh, someone contacted us, Will, uh, about yep. a certain poet um, who's uh, decided to chime in on this whole pandemic. Uh, a lovely lady you might know called... Or uh, is it a pandemic or is it a pandemic? <laughs> lovely. <laughs> That's right. Pam Ayres, my nemesis, the woman who uh, ruined my chances of ever being hired on Round the Twist, has chimed in. A few people have tweeted this to us. So, Will, let's go through line by line and uh, soak up the genius of Pam Ayres. So, she starts off. 
At last we have a cure for all. Ailments large and ailments small. Good health is not... So hang on. Let's not okay. rush through this. Let's not burn the steps. Uh, so at last we have a cure for yes. all. Ailments large. Very Thanos. Very Thanos first line there, Pam. Yes. <laughs> at least a half. Um, ailments large and ailment, ailments small. Is that what yes. it was? Okay. All right. I'm in. Yep. Good health is not beyond my reach. Okay. Yeah. If I in- get, get to the point, Pam. <laughs> if I inject myself with bleach. Ooh. Oh, got him. Is. Got him. Who knew Pam oh. is going to get political? When did Pam Ayers become Bill Hicks? <laughs> Radiant, I'll prance along. Every trace of my lime scale gone. That's actually pretty good. Now, is Radiant a uh, cleaning product? Is that what she's saying? Or is it Radiant I thought a double Radiant was, in there? Well, in, in Australia, Radiant is like a laundry detergent, I believe. So is there, a, is there a play on words there? Is she doing a double meaning or is, is she just being Radiant? Radiant. Radiant's an interesting I think, story, uh, interesting word to choose. Uh, podcast, Mark, can you just Google if Radiant, there's a disinfectant brand called Radiant or a bleach called Radiant? I'm going to say yes, because I only know this because specifically with uh, when you have a baby wheel and you start using sterilizers and stuff, you have to be aware of lime scale because you're constantly using steam and stuff. So every couple of weeks, I de-lime de scale uh, the baby's sterilizer. I don't use radiant. I use white vinegar. Uh, when you said you're using sterilizers after having a baby, I was like, on you or on Gemma? <laughs> God damn it. Radiant, I'll prance along. Oh, hang on, Mike, can't find it. Okay, so maybe Pam okay. is just, just a coincidence. Radiant, I'll prance along. Every trace of the lime scale gone. With disinfectant as my friend, like him, I'm clean round the bend. You're scowling. You didn't like that little, I thought that was actually the cleverest line of the whole poem. Okay, so... She, didn't, da- even, she didn't mention him by name. Yeah, so him. He who, he who shall not him. be named. He shall yeah, not be known. Orange Voldemort. Um, so, yeah. With disinfectant as my friend, like him, I'm clean round the bend. Clean round the bend. So she's saying that he is bananas. He is clean round the bend, right? Is that what we're saying? Yeah. Um, yeah. But she's also saying that her toilet would be you. You'd like you clean the toilet, and it, the bend in the toilet would be clean. Or is that, have I gone a step too far there in what I'm reading into this? Is it just her no, no. internal organs that are clean around the bend? What's the bend in relation to her? I would assume, oh, in relation to her? Yeah. Well, no, she's saying like him, I'm clean around the bend. I think that refers to insane. But the double meaning is the S-bend of your, of your toilet. You disinfect your toilet, you clean around the S-bend. Yeah, okay. So, that's, so she's saying that her internal organs are like a toilet's internal workings <laughs> that she has some sort of S-bend? Is that what she's saying? Yes. yes. She's saying she is like a human toilet. <laughs> How many likes and retweets do you think this has got? I want you to guess. Um, likes. How many followers does she have? 70,000. 70,000. I can't believe that. <laughs> I can't believe she does. But she does. How old is she? Hey, uh, podcast Mike, can you just Google Pam Ayres for us, please? Can you just uh, send us a link to the Wikipedia page for Pam Ayres? We need, we, I can't believe we haven't done this deep dive sooner. Or did we do this deep dive? No, we just went and looked at poems. I can't yeah, remember Ayres. us ever exploring the backstory of Pam Ayres. 
<laughs> I think this All is right. the important content that people need in the middle of a pandemic. All right. So let's look, let's dig deep on Pam Ez because she must be like, I'm looking at her. She was, okay. she was, well, firstly, I'm going to do likes, likes and retweets. Okay. I'm going to say it's had 6,000 likes and it's had uh, 4,500 retweets. You are so wrong. A higher for both. It's had 20,000 likes and it's had 15,000 retweets. Uh, lower for retweets, higher for likes. Oh, okay. So, yeah, it's had more likes than people sharing. Yeah. Fucking internet. If you like it enough to like it, why not fucking retweet it? That's what I'd say. All too political for me. <laughs> Don't want to get some Pam Air fire on my... Get the trolls coming out after me after I've fucking posted a Pam Air's John Oliver-style takedown of Donald Trump. <laughs> um I will say okay, so it's had um, uh, it's had what do you say more likes? Yeah, less retweets. Yeah, so it's had fifty thousand. What did I say before? Hundred thousand likes and uh, twenty thousand retweets. No, 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 no. You, you said you said you said twenty thousand likes. It's okay. higher, and you said fifteen thousand retweets. Fifty thousand likes, fifteen thousand retweets. No, no, no. I'm just going to tell you because this is going no. To be I want us to keep 20... guessing until I oh. get it exactly. No, go on, tell me. <laughs> 28,000 likes and 8,000, almost 7,000. She's one off seven. You know what? I'm going to retweet her to get her to 9,000 retweets. <laughs> yeah, I just got. I just tipped her over to 9,000. <laughs> you got to thank me for that, Pan. Yeah, so there you go. 9,000 retweets and 28. I mean, that's that's incredibly popular. for some. Because I've just, all right, so we've brought up her info. She's 73 years old. And that's her stock and trade is these poems. And she's got... 9,000 retweets, 30,000 likes. Yeah, but you know, it's like an ant, it's been passed on by people who aren't traditional Pam Ayers fans. This has gone out of your Pam Ayers world into your world of people going, Look at this, this is a zing, a takedown. Oh, you Trump. think like Trevor, Trevor, like yeah. Trevor Noah or someone is like, <laughs> like some kind of lefty comedian? You're yeah, they gave Pam Ayers a shout on Chapo Trap House. I mean, this is the thing, I'm looking at a Wikipedia page now, and for someone who has that many retweets and likes. This is one of the thinnest Wikipedia pages. It's literally like four paragraphs. Okay. So he, I'll, let me lay a bit of airs on you. <laughs> let me put on some airs and graces, Will. All right, so she was born in 1947. She's an English poet, a comedian, whoop, songwriter, and presenter of radio and television programs. Her 1975 appearance in the television show Opportunity Knocks led to appearances on TV and radio shows, a one-woman touring stage show, and she performed for The Queen. All right. Uh, she was born in Stanford Vale, Berkshire. Da, 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 da. Okay, and that's just all about her. She they've literally got her academic history. <laughs> um, okay. Bob Dylan inspired Pam Ayers to write poetry. And in 2006, she added that at the age of 12, she enjoyed writing parodies of the Lonnie Donegan songs mm. popular at the time. Much like her idol, Bob Dylan. <laughs> <laughs> All right, okay. So her career started in 1975 on Opportunity Knox. Do you know what that, have you ever heard of that show? Opportunity Knox was like a TV talent show, I'm pretty sure. Okay, and so that led to a, a wide variety of guest appearances on TV and radio. Since then, she's published six books of poems, uh, toured a one-woman stage show, hosted her own TV show and performed. So she's only written six books. She's 73. I would have thought she'd be much more prolific considering how popular she appears to be. Yeah, and how quick it seems to be to write her fucking ditties. <laughs> Her poetry has a deceptively simple style. <laughs> is it deceptively simple? Or is it just simple? 
Isn't that great when people are just like, look, it could just be simple or it could be deceptively simple. (laughs) Uh, She has a deceptively simple style and deals with everyday subject matter. Her poem, Oh, I Wished I Looked After Me Teeth. (laughs) You know what I remember about that poem, Charlie? It was deceptively simple. (laughs) It was voted in the top 10 of a BBC poll to find the nation's 100 favourite comic poems. Mm-hmm. In the UK Arts Council's report on poetry, Ayres was identified as the fifth best-selling poet in Britain between 1998 and 1999. <laughs> and then after that, it says citation needed, which I reckon Pam's been bloody getting into her own Wikipedia page. <laughs> like, that's a very narrow gap. That's like a period of 12 months. <laughs> Um, as continues to perform her work, the humorous quality of which is enhanced by her idiosyncratic delivery and by her distinctive North Berkshire accent. You know what that sounds like? North Berkshire? No. No. From 96, Ayers has appeared frequently on BBC Radio. From 96 to 99, she presented a two-hour music and chat show on Sunday afternoons. It was followed by the series Pam Air's Open Road, in which she visited various parts of the UK, interviewing people with interesting stories to tell about their lives and local areas. More recently, she's become a contributor to Radio 4 on programs like Just a Minute, that blah, blah, blah. Okay. Oh, here we go. In 2007, Ayers acted in a radio sitcom called Potting On <laughs> for Radio 4. She wrote and recorded a six series uh, of her Radio 4 program, Ayers on the Air. Oh, of course. She's uh, getting into some... Uh, well, legal territory there with the puns, <laughs> airs on the air, uh, which is broadcast in 2018. Uh, since then, she's appeared a number of times on Countdown. She's been on QI a few times. Okay. Hmm. Oh, that's some legitimacy. In 2011, she said in a Daily Telegraph magazine interview that she was about to go on her 14th tour of Australia. Oh, do you think she's one of those British celebrities that is inexplicably popular here? Well, from the amount of time we've dedicated to her on this podcast, <laughs> I would say yes. Her biography, The Necessary Aptitude, a memoir, was published in 2011. It traces her life and career from growing up as the youngest of six children in a council house to her time in the Women's Royal Air Force and the string of events that led to Opportunity knocks. The title refers to the number of times she was told in her life she did not have the necessary aptitude. In 2013, she published her latest book of poems, You Made Me Late Again. Uh, Pam has appeared three times for the Queen at the Silver Jubilee Royal Variety Performance in 1977, at a Royal Gala Charity Reception at St. James Palace in 1996, when Pam, as the only entertainer, performed part of her solo stage show. So, essentially, she's just come in and done her one-man, well, her one-woman show for one woman, the Queen. She was like a private dancer dancing for money, a private rhymer rhyming for money. <laughs> I wish I could remember which of her poem. Oh, you know what? I think I'm going to just Google. I remember it was something about, like, eating dessert. Pam is eating dessert. <laughs> Pam is eating cake. Pam is... Dessert. Because I think it was all about how much I love eating dessert. No, 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 no. I can't say anything there. Oh, look, I found, oh, I wish I'd looked after my teeth. Do you want me to lay some of that on you? Yeah, absolutely. 
Oh, I wish I'd looked after me teeth and spotted the perils beneath. All the toffees I chewed and the sweet sticky food. Oh, I wish I'd looked after me teeth. <laughs> I wish I'd been that much more willing when I had more tooth there than fillin' to pass up gobstoppers from respect, from respect to me choppers and to buy something else with me shillin'. And when I think of the lollies I licked and the licorice all sorts I picked, sherbet dabs, little and big, all that hard peanut brittle, my conscience gets horribly pricked. My mother, she told me no end. If you've got a tooth, you've got a friend. I was young then and careless. My toothbrush was hairless. I never had much time to spend. I always showed them the toothpaste all right. I flashed it about late at night. But up and down brushing and poking and fussing didn't seem worth the time. I could bite. If I'd known I was paving the way to cavities, caps and decay, the murder of fillings, injections and drillings, I'd have thrown all my sherbet away. So I lay in the old dentist chair and I gaze up his nose in despair and his drill, it do whine in these molars of mine. To amalgam, he'll say, for in there, what does that mean? To amalgam, he'll say, for in there. Uh, how I laughed at my mother's false teeth as they foamed in the waters beneath, but now they come reckoning. It's me, they are beckoning. Oh, I wish I'd looked after my teeth. Well, I would say, Charlie, that is deceptively shit. <laughs> It's so, I don't understand, like, what is going on? How can this, not only has she ruined, like, my potential, like, acting career, but she's a terrible poet who's performed three times for the Queen. Is there any double meaning to that? Is that just a poem about somebody wishing they'd looked after their teeth? Or is it a poem about, there was a bit in the middle where I was like, oh, maybe this is actually about all the boys she dated. Like this is like a double yeah, okay. meaning. This is and a it's thing. like, you know, my milkshake brings I, I all the boys to the yard. There's kind of like a, a double meaning going on here. Yeah. When I think of all the lollies I licked, yeah. I come mean, on. come on, that only means one thing, right? Only means one thing. <laughs> First draft of was all the... Pam's husband's like, <laughs> Pam, do you think when I think of all the dicks that I've sucked is really <laughs> what you should be doing on Opportunity Knocks? <laughs> You don't think he could just <laughs> tone it down a little? <laughs> well, can we get to some mail? Because we've got a backlog. Oh, can, just quickly before that, I want to tell you a, a quick little story. Because oh, yeah, today sure. uh, we're doing this podcast, but on the background in Skype, you have the uh, backdrop from our other podcast, our footy podcast. If you like AFL or you just like us talking and to be honest, we rarely talk about the game of AFL. We just talk about weird characters from the sport and, you know, nonsense fan fiction adventures and complete and utter rubbish. So if you like this podcast, you'll probably like that. You can ignore the fact that it's about football. But you have the backdrop from that uh, behind yep. you. And as a bit of a running joke, a bit of an off-air running joke we've had between the uh, TOEFOP team, yourself, myself and uh, podcast Mike, uh, normally when we're arranging times on our little WhatsApp group, you know, it'll be like, can we do 7.45 on Monday night, which is what we did tonight. And, you know, there'll be a thumbs up or a yes, that's fine. And I send the emoji with sunglasses on. Mm. And I've been sending that emoji with sunglasses on for a good six months. And then the other day, Charlie, you were like, <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> now, did you really not know what it meant? No. I mean, I assumed it was good. Like, I didn't know, but I didn't know what it meant. Like, 
because it kind of looks like a drug dealer. He's got these like dark glasses on. He's got this like smug expression. It's, I didn't know what it meant. I mean, when you told me it means it's cool, it made total sense. But I just was always like, um, yeah, I don't know. I just, it's, I, I, it, to me, it felt very ambivalent. <laughs> You've never typed cool into your phone and just had that emoji come up? No. Well, interesting. Okay. Anyway, so it means yeah. cool. And then we discovered that not only did it look like a drug dealer, it looked like a specific picture of former Australian <laughs> Prime Minister Tony Abbott with drug dealer sunglasses on. And so that has now become my response. And I've written on Tony Abbott's head the word cool. And now I send that instead of the original emoji. And it's just amusing. It's just amusing to send that picture of Tony Abbott. So then the other week, I decided I would take this a step further. And as my background on my Skype call, I put in the background this picture of Tony Abbott. And it's been on there for a week. Today, I recorded an episode of Philosophy with former Australian Prime Minister and fair to say, not necessarily best pals, Julia Gillard. No way. <laughs> so. Oh, my God. Did she completely forget? So, no, I did not forget. Podcast Mike and I went on the call together first to just sort out what the logistics of it all were going to be. And it came up as my backdrop. And I made a special point of changing my backdrop just over to my normal office backdrop. And I joked about how, you know, I was like, imagine if that had been in the, ba in the background oh, when we called Julia Gillard, right? It would be amazing. So... I then had to hang up on Podcast Mike so we could start a new call with Julia and Podcast Mike at the same time. And through something that I don't understand, when I then made that call, it reverted. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. It reverted to the Tony Abbott backdrop. And... Like, I mean, I don't... So, Podcast Mike's also on the call at the same time. Oh. And all he would have seen me do is just launch myself towards <laughs> the computer to try to, like, push buttons to make it go away. And I still don't know if she saw it. I think probably in the blur of us starting something, she wouldn't recognise what it was. I got it down quick enough. But I definitely started a call with the former Prime Minister with the picture of her mortal enemy on the backdrop. That is fucking hilarious. That's unbelievable. I mean, do you think... How do you think she would have taken it? Like, you're a comedian. So, I mean, I know that's not your... You're not like a prankster kind of comedian. But, you know, do you think she would have taken it well? I mean, I would have had to waste 40 minutes of the podcast explaining to her why it was there in the first place and apologising. So it wouldn't have been great for the listeners, but yeah. I think we eventually would have got there. My idiot friend doesn't know what an emoji is, and so we had this joke going around, and then I saved this photo of Tony Abbott, and then I wrote on top of it, cool, and it's, it's really funny. You should, you should follow the, uh, the uh, WhatsApp group. I'll add you. Here we go. Look. Now Julia Gillard's part of the Tony Tofop WhatsApp. Because... <laughs> You're too embarrassed to tell her. <laughs> oh, that's great. That's awesome. And po uh, podcast, Mike, I imagine you weren't running video on that, unfortunately. That would have been amazing. I mean, that would be a Patreon level. We could put that right at the top of the tree on Patreon. If you want to see Will desperately trying to close a photo of Tony Abbott as Julia Gillard comes online, I mean, we could put that behind like a $100 level, I reckon. I mean, 
honestly, I reacted like somebody who was caught watching Paul. <laughs> like just the, the launching at the computer. Like I almost slammed it shut. I almost hung up on her just because I was like, oh my God. Oh my God, that is brilliant. <laughs> What's the rumor about in the air tonight that it's it's a it was based on a true story about it's Phil wrote it because he knows that a friend of his saw someone drowning and, and turned the other way. That's like because well as Eminem explained to us, you know that song by Phil Collins in the air tonight <laughs> where a guy saw another guy drowning and Phil saw it all and after his concert he felt something like that. <laughs> Do you know what the the urban myth is? I'm well, that's I I believe that's kind of what the urban myth is, but it's not about that. Is the, the tonight truth? But yeah, look at myth. It up. In the air tonight, myth. Okay, here we go. All right, fact check. This is from Snopes. Right. Got to ruin everything, don't they, Snopes? It's good that Snopes have got involved in this, though. In between, like, debunking Donald Trump's lies and stuff like that, it's good that they suddenly... (laughs) Guys, Phil Collins in the air tonight. That's the one we're doing today. Okay, so uh, in the air tonight, false rumor holds that Phil Collins wrote the song in the air tonight after witnessing an incident in which a man refused to come to the aid of a drowning swimmer. Um, Okay. Of all pop songs for which elaborate apocryphal backstories have been created to explicate the lyrics. All right, fucking. Calm down, Snopes. (laughs) (laughs) Phil Phil Collins' 1981 hit in the air tonight from his, what album was it from? Could you tell me? Uh, No Jacket Required. It's the only album I know as well. (laughs) But that is wrong. It's called Face Value. And perhaps, uh, perhaps the most varied and fantastic set of legends associated with it. Okay, great. Encompassing adultery, rape, murder, drowning, and the dramatic exposure of a reprehensible wrongdoer resulting in an arrest or suicide, the narratives all include despicable acts either witnessed by Phil Collins or visited upon him and his family or friends, inspiring the musician to exact a form of revenge by encapsulating the experience in the lyrics of a song. Okay. Um, also, just before even we get into what those rumours are, what a great insight into how they, people think Phil Collins operates. That if he sees an injustice done, he he'll just write a it. Phil Collins song about it. Why don't you save him from drowning? <laughs> Maybe the guy didn't save him because he couldn't swim. And he thought, what is the point of two of us going out there in jail? Just make this, yeah. the situation worse. The guy's worse. like, hey, Phil, do you want to ha- have a hand in this? And Phil's over there with the notepad. <laughs> going, hang oh, on, I know, buddy. You <laughs> wait. <laughs> Phil's drawing a set with a giant set of drums. <laughs> Maybe I could get him to like fall from the roof. <laughs> Okay, every once in a while, I'll hear someone mention that there's a story behind the Phil Collins song in the air tonight. This seems to be a quote from someone. Yeah. So I'm not this sure. will be the the inquiry, probably. Okay, right. At any rate, Phil supposedly wrote this song after watching another man watch someone drown. He was too drunk or stoned to help himself. Okay, well, it's still fair enough. Like, I think in that situation, maybe you should just call for help. Call an ambulance or call police rescue or something like that. The other man apparently could have done something to save the drowning in person, but he didn't. One version of the story even has Phil doing detective work. Oh, I love it. <laughs> Phil Collins the gumshoe. <laughs> One version of the story even has Phil doing detective work to find the identity of the bystander, inviting him to a concert for free without revealing why. Oh, yeah, great. Perfect. <laughs> and then Perfect. humiliating him in front of a huge crowd. The guy's <laughs> wife divorces him and he loses his job. Yes. <laughs> that would be the great end of every episode if it was Phil Collins' detective, Angela Lansbury, Murder, She Wrote style. And every week Phil has to solve a case and then the final scene is the concert where he's invited that person to the concert and he's written a song about them. It's a pretty, like, what is your end game there? Like, to humiliate this guy, what are you hoping will happen? Is this guy will be so shamed that he'll then, then turn himself in? Yeah. 
I mean, there's other ways to do it, isn't there? Well, I guess it's just a public unmask. What if the like, song wasn't a hit? Like, what if you released it and it was such a bomb that, like, you can't really fit it into your, to your show? Or he starts playing it and people at the concert start going to get snacks and drinks. There's they, a whole bunch of other people who were just like, oh, yeah, he tried to publicly shame me, but the song was shit. <laughs> and <laughs> no most of the people were at the bar. So I got away with it. Okay, so this is oh, what they've compiled here. This is all the rumours that Snopes mm. have compiled about this. So this person said... Um, all right, this is definitely true, except the part about the spotlight, although he was in the, the guy in question was in the front row. Um, it probably looked like the spotlight was on him, but it wasn't. And right after the show, the guy in question killed himself. Ooh. So, Phil, Boy. I mean, if, like, you've just, two people have done, it's a tragedy twice now, and you're complicit in that. Someone should write in the air tonight, too, about, <laughs> about Phil, Phil Collins. Yeah. They invite Phil Collins to a concert, <laughs> and he's sitting in the front row, and they're like, well, we've got two drum kits. Yeah. Watch out, Phil Collins. <laughs> Okay, this is another person that says, okay, my first girlfriend was a big Genesis Phil Collins fan. And according to something she'd heard, In the Air Tonight was inspired by Phil finding his then wife okay. in bed with another man oh. and at a party they were attending. I can feel it coming in the air tonight. <laughs> Maybe. Another person says, what I heard about this song is it's Phil or the storyteller noting yeah. that a friend watched someone drown in a lake and did not offer help. Another person says, I heard that Phil Collins, when he was small, Oh, small Phil. Still looked like he was 50. I imagine... When he was an eight-year-old, he looked like he was 50. He witnessed an individual drowning, drowning another individual. Okay, so yeah. murder. Apparently, the individual looked up and spotted Phil. To this day, at every concert, Phil starts out singing this song as an accusation aimed at the future. Uh, I like this one. Uh, this is this is a very colloquial uh, 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 way it's written. Last night at happy hour, good old Phil came on the jukebox singing in the air tonight. Me and the boys got to talking and doing the drum solo when one of them mentions what sounds to me like a UL, urban legend. He says, the inspiration for this song came from years ago. Phil's wife had been assaulted and Phil knew uh, who it was. Much later at night, Phil's walking around a lake when he hears a call for help from the lake. Some guy's drowning. Phil swims out to save the guy. But when he reaches him, it's the guy who assaulted his wife. <laughs> he lets him go, swims back to shore and lets him drown. And then writes a song about it. All right, so traumatic night for Phil. His wife has been assaulted. He goes for a swim for some reason, rather than spending like staying with his wife. No, there's a guy drowning. Oh, well, he's out and about. Well, his wife's been attacked. Like, don't you stay with her? Make sure she's okay. He's like, I'm going for a walk down the lake (laughs) at night. And it just. But then again, the guy who committed the assault. Why is he swimming? What's yeah? What's he doing? (laughs) Trying to make a break for it. Another person says, the version of the story that I heard is that Phil's wife is assaulted. Phil finds out where the guy lives. He arranges to play a concert at the guy's hometown. They take the scent to his house. Phil debuts, uh, debuts the song. Debuts, debuts the song at the concert. Um, okay, so if you've just watched someone like drown or watch someone be murdered. Yeah. And you receive a ticket to a Phil Collins concert in the mail. Do you immediately go to the concert? Would you Would you be suspicious that you got a free Phil Collins ticket? Yes. I mean... I'd be sus on any free ticket to a Phil Collins gig from now on. Yes. Just based on these rumours. Like if out of the blues you were like, hey, you know what? I was at home and we suddenly got 
uh, two tickets to go and see Phil Collins, I'd be like, oh, no. But I'm you, not going there. I'm not sitting there. Your seat's down the front. Oh, <laughs> fuck, it's happening again. Yeah. But so you are banking on the fact, mm. if you're Phil, yeah. that this guy is a Phil Collins fan, that he's want to go. Because, you know, you know, we get, um, you and I are often offer tickets to go see things and, and whatever. And if you're not into it, you often won't go. So I've turned down heaps of things. Imagine if yeah. there are people trying to uh, do, uh, to go see like Finger Me for a Crime Lim- or Limp Biscuit. Like yeah. Fred no, Durst like, is. <laughs> I got invited to the opening night of a Lion King, but I did not go because <laughs> I thought the Simba was going to finger me for a crime. Um, okay, so this guy says, I heard a similar story about 10 years ago. I believe that I heard it on Casey Kasem's Top 40. Okay. Casey Kasem's Top 40. Um, according to mem- my memory, Phil and his buddy, <laughs> Okay, so there's another one, were sailing <laughs> and a downpour started, which caused the boat to capsize. Phil was swimming to shore with his friend and saw a guy sitting on his dock just watching him. He screamed for him to help. Apparently, the guy had a boat and everything. (laughs) But the guy just sat there and watched. Phil made it back to shore, but his friend drowned. Phil later tracked this guy down and sent him front row tickets to a a nearby concert. The guy showed up and Phil did blah, blah, blah. Again, he's not very direct, Phil. Is that why Genesis broke up? It's like the rest of the other two guys in Genesis were like... Well, you know how they found out they'd broken up. Phil invited them to a concert and he'd written a song about it. You guys are not in the band anymore. <laughs> so Snopes uh, butt in here. So yes. in between all the all the anecdotes, say the non the non specificity. Spe- <laughs> nice. The non the non specific nature of the songs. Specificity. No. Oh, now I can't do it. Specificity. 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 Oh my God! <laughs> How do you pronounce it? Specificity. Specificity. <laughs> That's right. This show has improved out of sight in the last ten years. The non-specific nature of the song's lyrics allowed for a variety of interpretations, with lines such as, "Well, if you told me you were drowning, I would not lend you a hand." Okay, let's go through the lyrics. That's what I want. Okay, to know. you got yeah, it. Let's. I'm going to look up the lyrics of "In the Air Tonight" because um, I, I want to see if we can. Oh, I've got them here. Oh, you've got them all there? Yeah. Good. Okay. I can feel it coming in the air tonight, oh Lord. I've been waiting for this moment all all my life, oh Lord. Can you feel it coming in the air tonight, oh Lord? Uh, Um, If you told me you were drowning, I would not lend a hand. I've seen your face before, my friend, but I don't know if you know who I am. Okay, so that fits into the... Okay, so with these lyrics so far, my number one choice of all the rumours is the guy who assaulted his wife. Right. Because you're talking about like, you know, coming in the air tonight, you know, and then it's suddenly like, you don't know who I am, but I know who you are, mate. But he would know who Phil was. You'd think there's probably more of a chance unless it's like a random attack. Yeah. A random okay, attack. That's a random attack. Yeah. Okay. So it wasn't like an affair or anything like no. that. Okay. Um, all right. Uh, you don't know who I am. Well, I was there mm-hmm. and I saw what you did and I yeah. saw it with my own two eyes. So you can wipe off the grin. I know where you've been. It's all been a pack of lies. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, I can feel it they're coming in the air tonight. Well, I remember. I remember. Remember? Don- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I remember. Don't worry. How could I ever forget? It's the first time, the last time we ever met. But I know the reason why you keep your silence up. No, you don't fool me. The hurt doesn't show, but the pain still grows. It's no stranger to you and me. <laughs> I don't know whether the drums all are guns in one of those two places. Okay. 
Uh, this is Snopes. Lighting effects used when Collins performed the song on subsequent tours mm. may have fed versions of the legend that end with the perpetrator being identified and singled out via the spotlight. And then this is another person's story. In the air tonight gives me chills. I saw a film perform it live on his Into the Light tour, and it was really cool. <laughs> the stadium was completely dark, except for these lights encircling the stage that stretched out and started to look through the crowd. The lights looked like those things that a submarine uses to see the surface. Oh, yeah. Those lights that we all <laughs> yeah. know really What a well. great relatable example. <laughs> if people couldn't imagine what lights look like at a concert, that is really cleared it up. Lights in the sub- I didn't even know submarines had lights that looked mm. for the surface. So, hang on. You're telling me we've gone to a rock and roll concert and it's dark, but there's some sort of light that's circling the stage? I can't in any way imagine <laughs> that. Do you have a more clear and accurate example? Submarines? Oh, you got me. I'm in. The overall effect was really simple, uh, but very effective. It's really neat. Okay, this is Snopes. Well, As Phil Collins has explained numerous times over oh. the years, I bet. <laughs> In the Air Tonight, as well as most of the Face Value album, deals with his bitterness and frustration of the end of his marriage to his first wife, mm-hmm. and the lyrics do not reference any specific real-life event. Uh, under variations, the various forms of legend about the origins of the Phil Collins song encompass many differences in many differences in detail. The song is usually said to be about an incident Phil observed, uh, but it's sometimes reported that Collins based the lyrics on an incident he heard about but did not witness. So, like he took it from a mm-hmm. newspaper article or something. The time lapse between Collins' witnessing the incident and his writing of the song varies. He wrote this song right away. He waited several years, or he wrote the song many years later <laughs> because he was a child when the incident took place. Well, that's everything. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that is so nonspecific. The nature of the tragic incident also varies. Uh, it is most often a man standing idly by while someone else drowns or nearly drowns. But in other forms, mentioning a deliberate drowning, i.e. a murder, uh, a rape of Collins' wife, mm. or Collins catching his wife in an adulterous act. Yeah. The victim takes on several identities. Colin's brother, Colin's wife, but only when the incidents involve sexual assault, a close friend of Colin's, a stranger in distress whom Colin's recognises as his wife's attacker but refuses to help. That's the, that's the, that's the first draft one. I think that's someone came out and it's like then they spoke to the editor and they said it's too many, too many plot points. Let's simplify the story, and then Phil Collins himself, who supposedly nearly drowned when his boat capsized. In the versions featuring an anonymous, innocent drowning victim, Collins himself does not provide aid himself because he's either too drunk or stoned, too far away, or too busy soliciting help. Now, I reckon Phil bears some responsibility here because he doesn't know that the other guy wasn't also too drunk or too stoned or maybe had his kids with him or something like that. He doesn't know that the other guy wasn't writing a song. About <laughs> Phil Collins not helping. Yeah, they're both looking. Billy Joel and Phil Collins. How's it go? Where's Billy Joel? <laughs> are both standing on a beach watching someone drown, looking at each other. Yeah, going, well, what about the time that you burnt down that house and <laughs> blame me for starting the fire? How about that, Phil? In versions where Collins learns the identity of the killer, sometimes by hiring a private detective, oh, yeah. he invites the man to an upcoming concert uh, and sends him a ticket anonymously. Mm-hmm. At the subsequent concert, Collins premieres in the air tonight, which he sings while the spotlight shines on the inviting guest. I love that because there are moments in rock concerts where they'll do that, you know, especially if it's a ballad or a love song, or, you know, or the camera will isolate on one person and you'd be like, oh, oh Phil, I love Phil, the camera's on me. And then it's like, j'accuse. <laughs> well, we went to see... Um, Leonard Cohen and um, uh, what had happened was I was meant to be going to see Leonard Cohen another night and then my um, 
manager, she had to like have an emergency wedding. Her mum was dying, and so they rushed forward their wedding so that her mum could like you know enjoy her wedding. And it happened to be the night that we were going to go and see Leonard Cohen. So she did not need to do this, my manager, but she contacted the Sydney Entertainment Centre where the other concert was going to be Mm. and said, is there any tickets left? And there wasn't. It was completely sold out. And then a few days before the concert, she rang and said, well, it turns out that there's some tickets and they're not going to make you pay for the tickets because they were tickets that were going to go to a prize winner. And the prize winner... Couldn't come to the concert. Great cover for Leonard Cohen to bloody... (laughs) And so we go to the concert and we suddenly realise we are sitting front row centre. Leonard Cohen's about to accuse you. (laughs) Leonard Cohen was in Byron Bay. He saw you on the beach when a swimmer was out past the flags. And he's like, I was too drunk and stoned (laughs) out. I did all checks out. (laughs) 